In Matthew 18, 12 to 14, the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus tells us about he is the good shepherd, that he is willing to leave all the other sheep and come and look for us. Even though we've wandered off, we are that important to him. So maybe the answer is simpler than all of this. Maybe the answer is that the idea of including God just doesn't occur to me. Now, what do you do if you need something? Well, Joe's not here, so I'll embarrass him. Joe found himself on a date in Wolverhampton, and he left his car in a multi-story car park, and then realized that the car park closed at 10 o'clock, and it was now half past 10, and his car's locked in. So what does he do? He goes through his list of friends in his phone to find out who's going to be willing to come and pick him up. So I did. And in the same way, when I'm struggling with something, I have this list in my head. So I've got a tech problem. I'm going to go and have a chat with this person, or my mate Rob from uni. Or if I'm having a meltdown, it's Mark or Dawn or John or Tom or somebody that gets on this list. But I generally turn to my wife, my family, and my friends. Definitely not necessarily in that order. Depending on the situation, I mean, I'm ashamed to say Dawn is sometimes the last person to know when I'm going through something, but she trusts me, so it's okay. But what unites this list of people, my wife, my friends, and my family? Two things. I trust them all, and I have a relationship with all of them. So, let's have a look at my friends. Basically this room, plus a couple of others. So over the last three years, I've been really lucky, and I've actually made quite a few new friends. Yay for me, the introvert. <laughs> now, all new friendships, to my mind, start with a choice. You either choose to go and have a conversation with that weird new person, or you choose to engage with that weird new person that's talking to you. But it's a choice that you make either way. So, how do I make a friendship go deeper? We spend time together, we swap stories, we open up to each other, and we build trust. I share something little, and I share something bigger and bigger and bigger, and beforehand, before long, we share everything, depending on subject, depending on person. Opening up to each other just builds vulnerability with each other. Now, to start off with, this is really weird and really difficult. I start off with by having to remember to go and talk to that person or invite them to the pub. And quite often, I sit in the pub and realize, should have invited them along. That would have been a really nice time to spend time with them. And yeah, we regret it. But then, over time, this flips. And then suddenly, they're the top of your list for people you invite to the pub or people you want to come and hang out with. And it becomes the natural to actually want to talk to them about issues, rather than having to force yourself to include them. So, this mindset change, I think, is key. Suddenly, when you're in trouble, this person comes to you because you know them. You know what they can help you with. You have trust that they'll be there to help and support you. And they, you know that they care. 
and you, they, and you know that they've got enough time for you and a skill set that will help you. John, can you read that passage for me? Acts 16, 16.30. Yep. Great. <clears throat> Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself! We're all in here! The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Thank you. Now, you're asking yourselves, what relevance does this passage have? I remember reading this when I was about 14 or 15. I was on a youth camp. It was mid-Wales, something the Paties had organized. It was, yeah, I remember it because it was the only youth camp I remember doing where Dave Jennings came along as a leader. I don't remember him doing any others. And he was actually leading that small group. And we were sat there, all us all kids, I think it was mainly lads in this group, and all of us at 14, 15, maybe even 13, all of us were just amazed that having, amazed at what we had just read, that Paul and his buddy had just had quite possibly the worst day you can imagine. They've just literally cast out a demon, that's a good point, good plus, and then for doing God's work, been beaten with sticks, bloodied and horrendously beaten, and thrown into jail. And yet, at the end of that night, they were still singing praises to God and praying God. And all of us in this group just wished that we would have a faith that strong. That at the end of a day, which has been absolutely terrible, we'd still be praying, praying, praising God. Put my teeth back in, sorry. But it was at this point that Dave actually came and asked us a question that struck with me. That struck me? Stuck with me since then. And it keeps coming back to my head every now and again. Have you considered that maybe they were praying and singing to God because that's what they would normally do at the end of their day? Not that it was anything particularly special that day, or they weren't doing it because they'd been beaten up, but it was their standard operating procedure. 
that they would turn to God, not because they've had a bad day, but because they'd had a day. Now, this idea is conjecture, but the idea keeps coming back to me and coming back to me. And that one question basically turned that passage of Scripture on its head for me. The idea that they were started singing and praying to God because it was their norm rather than because they'd had a bad day just completely blew my mind a little bit. Now, this is a really, really simple difference, but I think it's absolutely critical. We have two options. We can either remember, well, we can either try and remember God in our low points when we are stressed and worried, somehow trying to find the extra energy to do something different to our normality. Or we can walk with God daily, and in doing so, become, well, in doing so, God becomes our go to option for the struggles we're going with. It becomes natural for us to go to want to talk to God straight away because that's one of our natural points of call when we're struggling with something. Now, this simple difference has been utilized across the world, not necessarily talking about God, but actually practicing what you want to do in a time of crisis. Throughout the military, there is lots and lots of encounters where they just they talk about how their training kicked in and their mind just goes, not goes blank, but they just know what they, they need to do in that situation. But I was reading a book about airline pilots, and it mentions it even in there. When a pilot is doing his pre-flight safety checks, they will sit there in the cockpit and go, okay, what's the emergency for an engine shutdown? Flaps, and they'll go and touch each of the buttons in order as they do it every single time they get into that plane. And because of that, when the engine fails, their brain doesn't have to think, it just goes straight into what it needs to do, and they just, on instinct, do the right thing, or do the most helpful thing in that situation. This goes a long way to prove a phrase I'm trying to coin. I don't know if anybody else is using it, but maybe we should. What we practice in private comes out through our actions. So, to answer the topic, I would say the following. Thank you for picking this topic. It's something I've struggled with and continue to struggle with. It's always good to remember God during the hard times, but it's better to include God from the start. And the only way you can do that is by building a relationship with God on a daily basis. So just like when we make a new friend and we want to deepen that friendship, we have to spend time with God. And that is a decision we have to make on a personal level, not on a, well, I can't force that, force you to do that, and I'm not going to try. I've got far too much on to try and force you guys to do stuff you're not willing to do. But by growing our relationship with God, he naturally becomes our priority, and somebody we turn to instinctively when things are not going well. And to me, that's what matters. When it's all going horribly wrong, do I want to be flapping around trying to figure out what I need to do next? I do that enough already. God needs to become that person at the top of my list to actually talk to and ask for help. So, I didn't think this topic lended itself particularly well to questions. I'm quite happy for people to throw questions at me, but I don't know if you'd have any. But what I was thinking would be nice if we split up into about two, three groups, probably three groups of about four, and just spend a bit of time just sharing with each other times when we felt close to God, 
but then also times when we felt really distanced from God and what helped during those situations. So if you could organise yourselves. I'm not divvying people into group. I'm not a youth worker anymore. <laughs> Yeah, Lord, I thank you that uh, you are in our lives and you can fi- we feel your presence and that you are with us. When, even though when we don't really feel that you're that close, you are, and it's just us keeping you at arm's length sometimes. I pray that you'll help us to remind, just to remember you during the times of trouble, that it won't take us literally coming to our wits end just to actually come, and come to you and ask for help that will want to pursue a, an actual relationship with you on a daily basis rather than just only turning to you in times of crisis. Pray that you'll watch over us and keep us safe. Amen.